Wrestling fans, are you ready? NorCal Wrestling Podcast, Dan here, it's a great day, uh, you know why so great, I get to go to another live wrestling event this weekend, Saturday May 8th, East Bay Pro Wrestling returns with their first show with fans in over a year, you know I'm excited for this, uh, I've actually never been to an East Bay show before, so I'm excited for that as well, uh, also man, I got a great guest for you guys today. Before I introduce him though, let's uh, let's get some bills paid. Show is once again brought to you in part by the fine folks over at Brainbuster Tees. Did you just get rich off some Dogecoin? Brainbuster Tees is a great place to spend some money. Uh, they got merch from some of your favorite NorCal wrestlers like Vinny Massaro, Kenny K, Midas Creed, Serza, and D Rogue. And wrestlers, if you still don't have an online store set up, you owe it to yourselves to check Brainbuster Tees out. Give them a design, tell them what kind of merch you want and what colors, and they do the rest. It could not be easier. BrainbusterTees.com is the site. Check them out. Tell them NorCal Wrestling sent you. Back to today's guest. Uh, this man is a genuine NorCal legend. Been in the business for over 20 years and won more titles than I can even list here. Uh, he's the trainer over at East Bay Pro Wrestling School. Has had a hand in training talent like Jungle Boy and Thunder Rosa, amongst many others. Uh, he's a man that I personally love to boo, uh, and I mean that in the best way possible. He's wrestling personified Rick Luxury. Hit the music. Escobar season has returned. Has returned. Has returned. It's been a long time. Been a long time coming. It's life or death with me now. But you know, there's no turning back now. This is what makes me. This is what I am. Feel me? Let's go. You hate me now. All right, we're joined here by Wrestling Personified, Mr. Rick Luxury. How we doing? Uh, doing great, man. Glad to be on. Glad to have the mic live and be able to uh, chat with you about the one thing in the world that I am most passionate about, and that's professional wrestling. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm glad to have you on here. Thanks for uh, thanks for taking the time. Um, you know, I've been starting basically every interview in a, in a similar way. But uh, how you been? Uh, how you been handling all this pandemic madness? Uh, trying to keep my mind basically as as focused as possible. I do have a one year old right now, so uh, he was born two weeks prior to COVID actually shutting everything down. Um, and I've been lucky enough to be home with him and raise him the entire time, so he's kept me quite occupied. But uh, besides that, just 
you know, I got a training school that I've been training my students at and constantly doing homework on what's new that I can show these guys uh, to keep them learning. I believe in the world of professional wrestling that the day that you're done learning is the day you need to get out of the business because there's always something for you to learn. And if you think you know it all, then you have nothing left to prove and nothing left to do. So just hit the bricks. Um, so I, I also believe if you don't evolve, you die. So I have made it my point to study every single day on stuff that I can teach them, whether it's new or just a new adaptation of how to do something I've already shown them. So between that and my kids doing distant learning with school and raising a one-year-old, uh, I've stayed pretty busy. Yeah. Yeah. I, you mentioned the one-year-old I've got a almost three-year-old myself, uh, as well as a, as a teenager doing the distance learning it, uh, they will both keep you busy. Absolutely. Uh, exactly. I, I know that feeling. Uh, you mentioned the training. So, you know, you've, you've been lucky in, in a sense, uh, East Bay pro wrestling, uh, where you are training, they own their own building. And so they've been able to, um, actually get people inside and, and, and do some in-person training for longer than some of these other schools out there have been able to, um, when did you guys actually, so obviously you took a break, uh, for a while, but when, how long have you guys actually had people, you know, in a limited basis, be back in the building? Um, we took a break when everything shut down on May 16th was a uh, Monday. It was the last day of training. In fact, I didn't go to training that day because I stayed home to watch the news. And when I seen they were shutting everything down, I didn't show up, but uh, they were open that day and uh, six people showed up that day. And after that, we closed the doors and we reopened our doors uh, when everyone was saying that in the summertime, this should cool off. It's, it's you know, uh, it'll get warmer and things will change. We opened back up in June. So we've been running since June with, uh, with training classes. Nice. And, and, you know, these it's important for for all these young wrestlers to be able to get those reps in. I mean, you can't you can't duplicate that in ring time. So that's uh, you know the the people in their training have been lucky in that sense as well. Yeah, I also uh, put together a ten. Well, it's actually ten point five, a ten point five episodic. Uh, web series that we did called Sanitized, mm -hmm. where we we did closed sets, and it was literally only our workers, our referees, and the camera crew were there. And I had this, I had a stagger who would show up so that I would only get limited people in the building at the time. So we, we would book it by matches pretty much and bring them in and we would film what we needed from them. And then we'd edit it and put it together and put it out online because training is one thing. It's great to train, but what are you actually training for? If, if there's nothing there for you to train for, then you're just training to stay in shape. And the thing is, nobody knew how long this was going to actually last before anybody would ever be able to step in a ring again. So I put together this, uh, the sanitize so that my guys would, and girls would be able to train and then put that training into matches. Cause here's the thing is you can train on something for so long. And if, if, you don't apply it after a while you forget it and that's the problem is i didn't want anything that they were learning just to go to the waste side because they were still just waiting and waiting waiting to be able to actually use it in a performance 
So with closed sets, since we had limited numbers that were coming in in the first place, we were able to put it together so that we were able to put a web series together and put it out there for people to watch and get a little extra money in so that we can keep the doors open while we were doing it. We did it for donations. Um, uh, if you donated, then we would send you the link. And then from there, you'd be able to watch it however many times you actually wanted to view it. So we put that together. We put out 10, well, 11 episodes, but one of them was a free episode. It was kind of like, you know, we did, we did nine episodes and then we gave you 9.5 as a free episode to lead up to the big uh, season finale, the episode 10. So we're able to do that. We we're going to start filming a second season. In fact, we started to film a second season, but then realized by the time it would be edited and finished and ready to launch, we just decided to open our doors and go live in May. So there was no need to put out one episode and never finish it. So we just put that season two on hold and we're just going to go back to live shows. Yeah. yeah you got it coming up with that first weekend, or I guess it's technically the second weekend in May, May 8th. Yeah, May uh, 8th. Cause I, I uh, purchased my tickets for that earlier in the week. I'm uh, looking forward to, to being out there and, and seeing some wrestling with you guys. Well, good. We should have an actual great show for you that night. Uh, we have our heavyweight champion, Serza. We'll be putting a title on the line against Midas Creed, who is the Mystery State Pro Trophy winner, which is cashing in his trophy for a shot at the championship that night. We also have a number one contenders match between D-Rogue, Kenny K, and Yellow Boots Cliff Hendricks to find out who will get the title shot at our anniversary show. Uh, Aliyah Mia Sweets will be in action against the debuting of Jordan Blue, a female wrestler that we've been working with for the past year and a half, uh, getting her ready for her debut. And uh, there's going to be two tag matches on the show. The Dark Enforcers will be taking on the Bike Club. The Dark Enforcers are Leon Akuza and the Enforcer taking on Sean Sims and Devin Danger of the Bike Club. And we'll also have the tag team of Money, Power, and Respect of fabuloso fabricio and marco mania taking on uh an open challenge actually okay. for that night and uh and then we have a, a couple other people on the card that'll pop in and out so it's it's uh the return of wrestling you never know what you're gonna see that night so yeah i mean i, th I think i speak for many fans uh in the area we're just happy to see some shows again you know it's been a long time for for you guys in the business uh, but it's been a long time for us as fans as well. Uh, I know for me personally, going to shows is it's like one of the only times I get out with, you know, me being a family man as well and, and a father and a husband. It's one of the only times I get out to do something for me. Right. My wife doesn't come to shows with me. She's not a huge pro wrestling fan. So I get out with a buddy and we get to go have a good time, act like an idiot for a couple hours. Uh <laughs> You know, I miss it. I miss it. So it's uh, I was able to get to the 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 Ugwa show what last weekend uh, when we're recording this. It'll be a, a few weeks ago when uh, when this show airs. Uh, it was a blast to get out there. As soon as you guys put your tickets up for sale for East Bay, um, you know, I talked to my buddy and said, "Let's do it." And so we're coming out there as well. It's uh, it'll be nice. It'll be very awesome. nice. Yeah, it's gonna be a good show. Absolutely. Like I said, looking, looking forward to it very much. Um, so you mentioned, you know, you've been able to get the, the your, your kids in the ring, the, the trainees. Uh, have you had any matches yourself since the pandemic hit? Uh, I've had quite a few, actually. We, uh, we did a tournament for the uh, PSG championship uh, at East Bay pro. It started off with East Bay pro was, was the company that ran. And then, 
with uh, Alexis Derevko's company, Action Coast Wrestling, joined mm-hmm. under the umbrella, and they started running out of the same building. And then there was a promoter in Pittsburgh, California, named Daro Johnson, who ran Wrestling Warzone. And they had rented out uh, the facility to run their own show when they lost their venue. And then from that, somehow... It became an abandonment issue. The guy just left all of his stuff there and then contacted the uh, owner, Tim, and said, hey, look, you just take it and you run with it. So instead of just sweeping it under the rug and and throwing it to the wayside, uh, it became the third brand that ran in that building uh, with Wrestling Warzone. So with that said, I told I you know, there was always a thing. The building was called Pacheco Square Gardens, a playoff of Madison Square Gardens. So. I said, hey, man, we got something here. If the building is PSG, then the um, that's the umbrella. And under the umbrella is ACW, East Bay Pro, and WWZ. I said, why not have a conjoint champion that runs through all companies and be the PSG champion? So we had a tournament for the, for the PSG championship. So I went through all uh, three rounds of that tournament. So I had three successful matches there. And then I've, I had a few defenses during our sanitized taping. So I got in the ring quite a few times uh, during the off, the, uh, the off season. Cause I was gonna say, I mean, you, you, like you said, you've been in the ring, was it 22 years, 22 years. And, and for most of that time, uh, you've been pretty darn busy. I mean, I don't yeah. recall. Uh, I don't recall too many major injuries you've had. You work almost every weekend. Yeah, it was it was not it was a nonstop thing every single weekend. If there was a show, I would find a way to get to it to be on it, and it was every single weekend for twenty two years almost. So how how has that that break kind of been? Is it felt kind of good on the body? No, I absolutely hate it. <laughs> <laughs> Gained a little bit of weight because you know taking care of kids and not really doing much of anything you puts on weight. So gain a little bit of weight, got to lose that, hate it. Uh, I don't know, not, not feeling, not bumping all the time is, is uh, you grow accustomed to not doing it anymore. So mm-hmm. absolutely hated it. Uh, I could deal with the aches and pains of bumping every day of my life is fine. It's the aches and pains you get when you don't do it that are like, Oh man, what the hell? So yeah, I absolutely hate it. I wish I wish there was no pandemic, or even if there was the pandemic, I just wish wrestling was uh, not included in it, so that yeah. I could have kept doing my thing. Because, like I said, I'm almost forty years old, so a career only has so long on it. You can only beat your body up so long before you don't get in the ring to beat your body up anymore. And I feel like I've been cheated this entire last year of getting in there and working. It's like, well. You know, father time didn't stop, but uh, but all of a sudden pro wrestling had to. So uh, kind of unfair, kind of kind of feel cheated. But at the same time, just excited to get back in there. Uh, I'm glad I was able to work with a lot of these young kids and get a lot of young kids ready and out there. A lot of my kids were traveling to, you know, the shows that are up in the areas or they were flying to other states and doing whatever shows they could. Uh, A lot of them got on with uh, Game Changer Wrestling and they were doing things with uh, for the culture, going out WrestleMania weekend. I got a couple of guys that went out to Kansas this weekend. They're going to Oklahoma tonight. Um, 
So really good to be able to get guys out there and get them trained up and ready to go work other places. So now it's just time that uh, we get to back in this niche, back in this groove, and I claim my uh, claim my spot back in the wrestling ring. Yeah, yeah. And so let, let's let's talk about your 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 place in the ring. Um, I know you've had you know a couple runs here and there uh, working as a face, but vast majority of your career, you're you're definitely. Uh, a not so likable character. Um, <laughs> now, when, when you were first training, when you were first coming up, is that something that you always wanted? Did you always want to be a heel, or is that something that just kind of developed organically? So, it's it's kind of weird. Like growing up, my favorite wrestler of all time is Bret Hart. That and, makes sense. I, I see that in the types. You see that, yes. Uh, Bret Hart was a babyface for the majority of his career. He was a heel in the beginning with the tag team thing, and then you know became a babyface and ran all the way through as a babyface until they decided to do the whole swerve with you know Canada is better than the U.S. So my my favorite wrestler growing up was primarily a babyface. But then when you flip the coin, all the other wrestlers I liked were Ted DiBiase, Jake the Snake Roberts, uh, Rick Rude, Mr. Perfect, none of uh, Rick Flair. None of those guys are baby faces. Right. So I I generally pulled to them, not just because of their in-ring ability or the fact that they were all great on the mic. It was their persona that drew me. Bret Hart's persona was just, he was the best, period, bar none. He was the best in the ring. He wasn't the best on the mic, but he was the best in the ring. I believed what he said on the mic enough that it didn't matter because he got in the ring and he did it. And that's that's how what I wanted to emulate. And then all the other people I liked, they were just cocky and arrogant and damn near on a pedestal. They put themselves on a pedestal compared to everybody else. So I always kind of drew to that. And uh, I'm an asshole, like in real life, <laughs> bar none. Like a lot of people are like, oh, no, coach is nice. No, I'm, I tell my kids all the time. Yeah, I'm nice to you, but I'm an asshole. So the fact of the matter is it's, it's very easy to turn the volume up when it's already there. What's, what's hard is having silence and then trying to make noise out of nothing. Right. And that's a lot of people struggle with that, but it's very easy if you just turn that volume knob up. So being a heel is, is it, it just comes natural. Yeah. I was going to say, I'm like, you, you know, uh, I've always found you pretty easy to boo myself. Uh, you've always, you've always, you know, been able to kind of generate that heat with the crowd really, really easily. I mean, what, what is that key for you? Is it, is it just knowing the crowd or is it just like you said, turning, turning that asshole, in you up to uh, up to 11 um well i think why i'm successful at it and and i'm not comparing myself against anybody else but i think why i'm more successful than a lot of people in that aspect and that's why a lot of places have brought me in as one of the top heels at their promotion is i don't care who you set me in the ring with on a nightly basis because my opponents are always the ones buying the tickets the person you put me in the ring with, that's the guy I get to dance with. That's the guy I get to, to perform with. But I'm working the crowd every single night. 
my job is to make sure if you're paying 15, 20, $30 for your ticket, that at least when I get in the ring, if anything, you might, you might see a move or two from someone else and go, Oh, that was really cool. When that guy did the, the three flips, I can go take you to SeaWorld and sit you down at the splash zone and let you watch a dolphin do three flips. But the dolphin's not going to try to entertain you the way that I do. Yeah. So I always look at it as I'm working the crowd, not so much my opponent. Uh, we're, we're dancing, but I'm really working the crowd. So that's how I feel it's easier for someone like me to generate what I want is because I listen to the crowd and I look for things in the crowd. Like, for instance, you go, you live, uh, you go out to the Petaluma shows. Yep, uh, yep. There, there Phoenix, was a, there Phoenix was, Pro Wrestling. There was a time at Phoenix Pro Wrestling. There was a dad holding his son and his son had a balloon. And he was the only kid in the entire audience that had a balloon. So I took his balloon and I popped it. <laughs> it's classic. And, you know, it's like, and, it's like ripping somebody's sign in half. You see that on, on TV. It's, I and, love it. And the thing is, is the kid hated me. And every show that that kid's been at ever since. He hates me and he doesn't hate me because he knows me. He hates me because I did something that registered to him and he can't forgive it. And it's not something that's going to scar him. It's not something that's damaging to him, but what it is is something that it affected him one time, but it affected him enough that he goes, that's a bad guy. Yeah. I don't like him. Now, when someone else watches me walk out that curtain and that kid turn his back to me because he won't look at me, he turns around when the bell rings because he wants to see me get beat up. But when the spotlight's on me, he turns his back. When someone else sees that and they see that kid turn his back, they go, oh, man, that kid don't like him. I don't like him all of a sudden. I don't even know why that kid doesn't like him. But now I don't like him. So... Jake Roberts said it best and it stuck with me. He goes, just go and find one kid in the crowd and look. Oh, I think you went on mute there, Rick. That's the problem with Zoom calls is sometimes you still good. there. Yeah, yeah. Oh, we're sometimes you get a phone call that comes in between them. Um, no, basically, Jake Roberts said it best when he says, just, just identify with one person in the crowd. Stare at find that kid, stare him down, make him look into your eyes and get captivated. And then everybody around him will become captivated and it'll spread like a wildfire. So that's what I, that's what I try to keep uh, in, in my, my mental game. When I go out to the crowd, another thing is like, I don't see anybody in the crowd. I do not see an individual i see um uh, i see masses mm -hmm. uh, i don't pinpoint and go hey look there's uh there's dave and dan and and mike wow look at those guys or hey my mom's right there i don't ever pinpoint and my daughters get mad at me because i ignore them when they're in the crowd because to me it's just the crowd it's my entire audience is one big crowd of who i have to work not just individual people so yeah, I've always taken it as that's my main goal is to go out and work the crowd tonight. You might do the coolest 
inverted 450 twisting splash in the world and people might go 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 over it the difference is when you see it once the next time it's not so special right you start to become desensitized to it it happens so many times just okay who's going to do the next cool move the one thing i can always get away with is going out there and getting the crowd to react so you know you mentioned popping the kids balloon um are, are, are there any times in your career that you think you went maybe a little too far with, uh, with going after the crowd? Oh <laughs> uh, yeah, there was a time actually uh, uh, in Petaluma. <laughs> Once again, at Phoenix pro wrestling, um, I got a green light to say whatever I wanted uh, on the mic. I actually wasn't Phoenix pro wrestling at the time. It was punk slam. Yeah. Um, which is where Phoenix pro wrestling ended up uh, deriving from. But um it was at Punk Slam. It was a, a joint show with SPW and guys that put on punk rock concerts. And I, uh, I got a green light from the from the uh, Booker. And I'm not going to say any names. That way, it doesn't ever come back and get flack on that person. Um, but I got told go out there and rile this crowd up. They haven't been alive tonight. We need you to get them lived up. And I looked at him. I said. I can say whatever I want. And they were like, say whatever you want. And I said, there's no language, Barry he goes, say whatever you want to go. So I can say whatever I want about the city of Petaluma. And he goes, you got the green light. And I went out there and I took a very touchy subject uh, to me. You know, um, when something's fresh in the news, everybody's all over it. Right. But I took a subject that was at least, God, I don't, I don't even know. This, this was back in probably 2008. Uh, that this probably about, is, I, I, was, I was in the show that night. I, I know what, uh, or you know exactly where I'm headed. I, I know where you're going. We're probably, <laughs> you're probably like 13, at least 10 years past the incident, at least 13, I'd say. Yeah, I was at least, uh, the, the incident was at least 10 years old when, 10, 13 years old when, I ended up wanting bringing it back up. And to me, it was okay. Well, this is what I know about this town. So if I can say anything, I'm going to say it. And uh, I went out there and I, I got on the microphone and at, a, at the, at the building at the Phoenix theater, there's no chairs. It's just guardrail and fans standing. And uh, I had got on the microphone and I said, you know what? Uh, I started making fun of the people in the crowd and I started getting a little bit of reaction from them and they were booing and every, you know, I, I could have probably stopped right there. Uh, Cause I got a, I got a better reaction that, than anybody else got that evening. But then I pushed the envelope a little too far and I said, it is people like you that make me understand why somebody and i'm not going to say the name because i'm not going to bring it up <laughs> why somebody in petaluma would be abducted and murdered from their house but i said the actual person's name and little did i know the brother of said person's best friend was in the crowd yeah. So small world is here's somebody that was deeply tied into this incident. His best friend's sister 
uh, was deeply involved in this incident, probably knew more about it than anybody on the news was was informed. And he's sitting in the crowd, probably just not even that. That's a thing of the past in the back of his mind. And here's this asshole that just said this in the center of the ring. It's one of the only times I've actually had the guardrails pushed all the way against the ring and people climbing over the guardrail to try and get in the ring. And uh, I had a guy who's six foot four and he's 300 pounds in the ring with me as my tag partner. And it was his first match. Now, who's your, who's your partner? I don't remember that. I remember the incident, but I don't remember. Drake Frost. Okay. Yeah. That's a large man. It was Drake Frost's first, like first match. Debut match, and uh, here's this guardrails are being pushed up against the ring. People are trying to crawl over them. I'm getting cussed at. They're throwing shit in the ring now, and I'm I'm sitting there egging them all like, "Come on, buddy, you want to fight? Come fight me!" And Frost is sitting there. And he's a big guy. He's going, "Oh, what do we do?" And I'm like, "Don't worry about it. They gonna they gonna come to the ring. It's fine. Don't worry about it. Just get the just get the heat. Just get the heat." I walked in the back and the promoter didn't say anything to me. And uh, he doesn't, he doesn't, I mean, not the promoter, the booker, he doesn't book shows anymore. He's not around the scene, but uh, he didn't say anything. He was just like, Oh, you got a lot of heat there. huh?" And it was at that point that I was like, what I thought wasn't going to be that big of a deal that I just thought was going to be booed upon ended up being a lot more than just, people booing like i didn't know that a small town like that harbored something for 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 that many years that it was such a touchy subject still to that day like i had no clue and the fact that i dropped the bar i dropped that pipe bomb and 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 i wasn't expecting the outcome that came from it so when i get a green light now i just make sure i keep my green light to something that I don't have to worry about getting stabbed or shot at afterwards. Yeah. I like I said, I was at that show. It was uh you definitely, there was a lot of angry people. Uh, yeah, I could have, I sure. could have started. I could have, I could have uh, instated a riot without actually trying to accomplish that. I was looking for booze and I could have got a lot worse. So. Yeah, you definitely got some booze. You definitely got some booze. That's for sure. So is that, as I was saying, like, you know, in the old days you hear about, uh, you know, fans attacking the heels sometimes. Is that, is that the closest that, uh, that it's come for you? Um, yeah. Cause, cause normally enough people respect what I do in the ring enough that I'll have people come up like maybe the kids still want to shake my hand afterwards, but the, the dad or, or will come up and be like, Hey man, really good job today. Right. Like they get it. They're like, you know, um, I haven't gotten too many uh, incidents where I've gotten enough white hot heat that I had to like watch my back and worry about, Hey, am I going to get stabbed walking to the parking lot? Um, but at the same time, I'm not really a guy that is, intimidated by that i'm the i'm the guy that would walk out of the building and if someone said something we'd be like well it's a perfectly good time to get in a fight right here so i mean it's a different generation like my trainer my trainer would beat the hell out of us we we were 16 year old 17 year old kids training with them and we used to get punched in the face and stretched and stomped on and spit at and made them fight each other for you know, if someone did something wrong in the class, it was like, all right, well, Rick, get in there, beat this kid up now because he ain't listening. Or uh, 
Zach, get in there and fight Rick because I'm mad at him today. Like, so we train different and times were different. Kids got beat by their parents back then. And, you know, teachers would slap your fingers with rulers and stuff like that. None of that happens nowadays. So you're not going to really see someone walk out of a building in 2021 and be like, all right, buddy, let's fight. You know, if you want to talk that talk, let's fight. You don't get that anymore. But uh, I grew up in a different time. So I'm still that type of. If, if you come at me in a parking lot, well, guess what? There was an incident with Devin Danger at a show. Uh, yeah. <laughs> he, he, spit his, he spit his gum out of the kid. The dad came and started kicking his ass, and he, he just covered up and took it. Right. See, that, that's, this gen, that's this time. Well, me, to be fair, I don't know that that dad actually landed any real blows on him either. The dad, did, no. the dad was trying to, but I don't think anything yeah. even connected. No, you're, you're probably right. But the difference is me, dad comes at me swinging, and me and dad are now in a fight. Yeah. <laughs> so, like, that's the difference of the generations. Is some guys go, oh, crap, a real fight. I don't want to be involved in it. And then that's the way life should be. Like, that's how you should teach your kids. But at the same time, your kids also have to learn that you can't just let someone swing on you. You're going to have to defend yourself at some point. Yeah, so, I agree. I agree. You so know, I, I, ahead, I think sorry. that that, I don't know. I was going to say, I think, I, I don't think I've gotten too much white hot heat uh, to the fact that someone's going to do something after a show. Um, mainly because half the time, no matter how much heat I get, someone's always saying, Hey, great job tonight. Oh, you, you were great tonight. So the fan has changed in pro wrestling. Now, if I were to try and do half the stuff I've done, maybe in the mid South, that'd probably be a different story. But here in California, the, the the wrestling fan has changed. The wrestling fan knows a little more than most people know, and they're in on things more. They understand, like, oh, this is just theatrics, and that guy's really not trying to burn my city to the ground. So, a lot of fans appreciate the the work. Yeah. Um, Nowadays. I agree with that. I agree with that. Like I said, I, lo- I love to boo you myself. Uh, I'm definitely one of the ones in the crowd telling you you suck, but uh, I will 100% come up to you after the show and, and uh, give you a fist bump and, and say good job. So I yeah, think, exactly. I think that's and, how that, most and, of that's us a, are. and that's the thing is, you know, the, the truth is as much as I'd love the fans to absolutely despisely hate me at the same time for them to come up and be like, Hey, great work tonight. It's like, you're not, you, and it, it's, it's almost like a secret handshake because some fans don't want other fans to see that they fist bump me and said, great work because they don't want the other fans to know that they kind of like, what i did out there right so it's kind of it's kind of cool it's like it's like a separate secret society uh between the wrestler and the fan that doesn't want the other fans to know that he appreciates the work rate yeah there's i think there's a group of us out there that are are definitely appreciative for sure uh maybe the more casual fans don't want to associate but the people that uh that are going to you know multiple different promotions uh know what's up you know yeah Uh, definitely Especially when you go to one and you see me as a baby face and then you turn around and see me as a heel at two other ones. You're like, wait a minute. What? Some fans have never even seen me do one or the other. Some fans have only seen me as a baby face. Some fans have only seen me as a heel. Yeah. I've, uh, I, I won't lie, man. It's hard for me to, 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 to see you as a face because you know, my experiences with you are primarily with APW and, and PPW Phoenix. Um, yeah. So it's like, you're, You've always been a heel there as far as I've seen. And it's like, I can't even, I can't even picture you being a fan favorite. To tell you the truth, it's kind of hard for me to be the baby face too. 
I mean, I could go out there and I could do it, but I almost feel like it's, it's, it's almost like you're, you're trying to act too much um, in that aspect. Like my wife just whispered, cause you're a natural asshole. <laughs> well, I think, you know, my, when I, when I did interview uh, Alexis Derevko, uh, this is a couple months back now, he said, he's like, there's some people who should just always be a heel. And I think you were actually standing next to him at the time. And he mentioned you. He's like, to me, I would never book Rick as a, as a baby face. Cause he's just so easy to boo. And yeah. It's like, that's a skill. Some people book me as a baby face because they know that I'm local. Sure. And I can get people I know to come and watch me. And, but the, what I try to tell them is, Hey man, the people that I'm going to get to come out here and watch me that, that you want me to physically on my own, talk to my personal people and say, Hey, I got a show tonight. Come, come out. They're going to boo me because they know to. Right. The only, I can't get my nine-year-old to boo me because I'm her, I'm her hero. My 17-year-old, when she was growing up, she knew. She's like, oh, I'll boo dad. Okay. Like, I can't get my nine-year-old to do it if my life depended on it because she won't. She's like, no, dad, you're the best, and I can't boo you because you're the best. But I wish that she would be like, okay, dad, I'll boo you tonight. But my wife wife boos me. (laughs) My wife boos me. (laughs) It's because she could get away with it. (laughs) Exactly. Um. You know, like, like we talked about earlier, you've been wrestling, you know, more than 20 years now. That that alone is is an accomplishment in itself. Uh, but you've won titles in and bear with me here because this list is. I think I have a hundred a hundred and three championships in my career. Oh, so I'm going to just run that's... down the list of promotions that that I'm aware of here. We've got okay. uh, APW, SPW, yep. Uh, yep. PCW, yep. Vendetta Pro. Gold yes, Rush, yep. East Bay Pro, uh, yes, North sir. American Wrestling, Phoenix Pro Wrestling, mm-hmm. Devil Mountain Wrestling, uh, Sencal Pro, Sacramento Wrestling Federation, California Championship Wrestling, Wrestling Warzone. Did I? Am I missing any? Um, yeah, actually, here I'll I'll give you the lineage of Rick Luxury right here. I okay. actually have it. I have it written down in my notes. Um, people call me a belt whore. Uh, there's a thing about it though, is the, re- the, the championship belt is a prop Absolutely. and, and that's what it is. It's a prop. You use it to get who you need over when you need to get them over. And that's what it is for. Um, but also what a lot of people don't realize is it is the greatest achievement that you can be honored by your peers or the, a, a promoter because it is a sign that the promoter believes that you can carry the ball and you can run with it. And it's an acknowledgement of, I have enough faith in you that you can draw or you, even if it's not just that you could draw, if it's, it's either I have, I have enough faith in you that you can run with my company. I have enough faith in you that you could draw, or I have enough faith in you. You can get the next person that I need to be over, over. So either way you look at it, it's a prop, but it's the biggest accomplishment you can get from anywhere because it's stating that you're the guy that can get the guy, the next guy to the, to where they need to be, or you're the guy that can get the draw where it needs to be, or you're the guy that can get the company to where it needs to be. Either way you look at it, you don't just give the belt to the guy that 
doesn't draw for you, can't do shit for your company and can't get anybody over. They don't win titles. So even though it's a prop, it's, it's like getting an award at your work for employee of the month. That's just a prop. Right. If you want to mean something, but it means something, the employee of the month prop or, or the humanitarian of the year award or the Nobel peace prize. It's just, just a prop. But what it is, is the Nobel Peace Prize is the prop you get for the acknowledgement that you really did something that broke through and changed lives. Like, I'm sure there's been 20 people that did something that could do that, but you're the guy that got honored that that year. So, yes, it's a prop, but at the same time, it's a prop that has uh, a lot of a lot of uh, weight behind it. So as far as the championship reigns go, I'll run it down for you. Uh, the Cactus League Wrestling Heavyweight Championship one time. Uh, PCW, I'm a three-time PCW Heavyweight Champion, a one-time Inter-California Champion, a six-time Tag Team Champion, and a two-time Last Man Standing Rumble winner. I also won the California Cup. Uh, the, I'm the only California Cup winner in PCW history. With Brawl, uh, barely regulated American Wrestling League. I'm a one-time heavyweight champion, a one-time internet champion, a three-time tag team champion, a one-time uh, United States champion. With Supreme Pro Wrestling, I won the extreme title once, the tag team titles nine times, the trio tag team titles two times, and the Punk Slam Championship once. I also was a double hell cage uh, winner to go on to the anniversary show to take on Adam Thornstone, a best of seven series for the heavyweight title. The only title... For any company that I've put more than 10 years in that has eluded me is the SPW Heavyweight Championship. Okay. For a- for APW, I am a one-time Universal Heavyweight Champion. I am a five-time Worldwide Internet Champion. I am a two-time Tag Team Champion. I am the real Internet Champion, not once but twice. Uh, at Vendetta Pro Wrestling, I'm a three-time Heavyweight Champion. Technically four, but one of them was an Interim Heavyweight Champion. I am a two-time Vendetta Pro Tag Team Champion, a two-time Vendetta Pro Triforce Champion, and the reigning and current Western States Heavyweight Champion. I won the California Cup from Go uh, from uh, Vendetta Pro one time. Uh, at Gold Rush Pro Wrestling, I'm a one-time heavyweight champion. I am a three-time and current tag team champion. I am a Band Slam Cup winner, and I am the inaugural Golden Horseshoe winner. And I won the King of the Gold Mine one time. With Pro Wrestling Bushido, I am a two-time heavyweight champion. I am a four-time television champion, a one-time tag team champion, and I won the Warrior's Way Trophy. Uh, with NAW, I'm a two-time heavyweight champion and a two-time light heavyweight champion and the a one-time America's champion. Uh, Pile Driver Pro Wrestling, I won the tag team titles twice. Devil Mountain Wrestling, I am a heavyweight champion one time. East Bay Pro Wrestling, I am a one-time tag team champion and the current Pacheco Square Garden champion. Uh, with WCWA, which West Coast Wrestling Alliance, I am a one-time tag team champion. With Sacramento Wrestling Federation, I am a two-time tag team champion. With the UWA, I was a two-time cruiserweight champion. With TCW, I was a one-time heavyweight champion. With VCW, uh, that was based in Vacaville, I was a one-time hardcore champion. With SinCal Wrestling, I was the one-time five cities champion. With uh, GGP, which was uh, Grand Prix 
wrestling. I was uh, the Grand Prix champion one time, the Platinum champion one time, and a tag team champion one time. With CCW, California Championship Wrestling, I was a one-time heavyweight champion, a one-time West Side champion. Uh, with the Stars of Wrestling, I was a one-time un- uh, United States champion. With FSP, I was a one-time high-risk champion. With uh, Reading Invasion Pro, I was a one-time tag team champion. Phoenix Pro Wrestling, I am a two-time tag team champion. Rival Forge Wrestling, I am a one-time and still reigning 10-year champion. Uh, With West Coast Wrestling Federation, I'm a one-time tag team champion. Uh, With Wrestling for Charity, I'm the current heavyweight champion and a former El Toro trophy champion. With PLA, I'm a one-time tag team champion. And with Wrestling Warzone, I am a one-time tag team champion, putting me at a total of 103 championships, 93 titles, six trophies, two Rumble wins, one King of the Ring, one Double Hell Challenge. 23 heavyweight championships, 28 secondary championships, and 42 tag team championships in my uh, reign as a 22-year wrestler. It's a hell of a career. Thank you. (laughs) And it's not done yet. So sorry for all that rambling, but that's the first time I actually got to tell people exactly what I've done because people are like, oh, yeah, that guy wins belts. That guy wins a lot of belts, actually. Yeah. So, you know, we talked about this a little bit before. What, what, what is it you think about yourself that has allowed you to have that kind of success or allowed promotions to, to put so much faith in you? Um, I'm really good at politics. <laughs> <laughs> I um, love it. No, just uh, what, what I think has made me so successful is over the years, uh, I had the work rate. So when the work rate's there, it's kind of hard to deny it. Uh, first and foremost, on top of that, I could play whatever role you needed me to play. If you needed me to be the baby face, I could be your your white meat baby that would go out there and do what you need. Or I could be your top heel. I never considered myself as a company's top baby face ever once in my career. There was always somebody that people liked more. But there was never a time that I would say somebody could be a better heel than me. If you let me walk out that door and be a heel, then the fact of the matter is I'll turn your heels baby face if you put them in the ring against me. Which is, to be fair, the, the mark of a good heel. I mean, the, the, the mark of a good heel is to come out first, get the crowd riled up so that no matter who walks out the curtain next, they're going to get cheered. And thank you so much for saying that and understanding because my biggest pet peeve, no matter what the promotion is, I just spent some time out of state at a couple of wrestling promotions and I, I watched them for three matches in a row, send the baby face out first. Uh, and, and after the first time I was like, okay, well that baby face is your main draw. Like that is your main power. And they're in the opening match. So I guess you want to start to show out with the biggest amount of noise you could, but still you take away from how big of a pop it could have been. If you put the heel out there, even if it was a baby versus baby match, I try to tell people you have three things you have to look out for. Number one, you send your heel out first. If you have a heel baby match, because you let him go draw as much heat as they possibly can. And even if the crowd doesn't care so much, if they say things or do mannerisms that are annoying, when that baby face comes out and he does mannerisms or, or gestures that make him care, they'll care even more. That's the first one. Number two, if you have a name on your card, it doesn't matter who you put out first, put the name out second, because yeah. that's probably the person that they came and paid for to see. So 
if 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 Jeff Cobb is your champion and he's not the name on the show because the name on the show is Chris Jericho, he's in there. If the name is Jericho, even though Cobb's your champion, hey man, it's okay. Let Cobb come out first. Even if he's your champ, because they're gonna cheer more for the name that they pay for. Right. Um, on top of that, the third one that there is is your big popularity. If you have two babies coming out there, or you just simply do this, okay. Well, for instance, I have uh Jane from this promotion coming in as a baby face. And I have Thunder Rosa coming in from this promotion. Thunder Rosa is the bigger name. She's the bigger talent. Or even, even if you don't use a name, if you have your homegrown talent girl and she's a baby face and she's taking on another girl who's a baby face, send your homegrown talent baby out second because they're going to generate the bigger pop. And a lot of people don't get that. And the fact that you actually said that made me pop because uh, it's the truth. You want to draw as much heat in the beginning or as less pop in the beginning as you can so that the second entry has the biggest, the biggest pop of, of the match. I, I, so, yeah, to me, it's common sense, but you know, what do I know? I'm just, I'm just a fan. Common sense. I'm just a fan. So. Yeah, but, yeah, but it's the, it's the biggest part of pro wrestling. And, and I feel that a lot of people make the mistake before the bell even rings. Like that's something you can capitalize before the match even starts. Yeah. But uh, as far as, as far as my success goes, yeah, I just, I felt like uh, I, I could, I'm not going to be your number one baby face in your promotion. I could be your number three, number, number four, number five, baby, but I, I'll be your number one heel. So as far, as far as why I feel like I'm so successful is I was able to be that number one heel to a lot of baby faces, no matter who they were in any promotion. And you always have to have the chase. You can't just give the baby face it all the time. If you always give the baby face what they what the crowd wants, then guess what? Sooner or later, the crowd just doesn't care because they just get what they want. You always have to have the chase. So I was the perfect foil to get the chase out of. And they knew I was going to show up. They knew I was going to get the ring, and they knew I was going to give 100%. So between having the work rate, between having the attendance, and being the guy that could work with anybody and, and get anybody over it, it really put me in a position where I could win a lot of championships. And, uh, you know, at this stage of your career, um, while you're still active, don't, don't, uh, I don't want that to come out the wrong way, <laughs> but yeah, I'd say you're, you know, you're arguably making an even bigger mark, um, through your training. Um, because you've, let's, you know, you've, the list of names that you've had a hand in training uh, is is pretty damn impressive. Um, so, I mean, the biggest ones out there, we've got Jungle Boy, of course, who's signed to yes, sir. arguably the number two promotion, if not the number AEW one. Right depends, now. Uh, depends on your, your, your uh, perspective. You got Jungle Boy, you got Thunder Rosa, who's one of the top five, if not the number one women's wrestler in the world currently. Uh, Starboy Charlie, who's just 18 but is already getting booked. just turned 18 is already getting big bookings yeah getting booked with the biggest indie that there is out there in the u.s and then you got uh, juicy for now 
Uh, also, you know, getting booked on the biggest indie that there is, really making a name for himself. Uh, all of them have broken out in one way or another. Um, but then not only those guys, you know, you've had a hand in many of the talents that are working the NorCal scene as well. Um, how, how, um, what's the word? I mean, how good does it feel to kind of see your people that you've had a hand in their career uh, achieve that success? How satisfying is that? Um, I, I say it all the time now. I've said it for the last couple of years, actually. I said, my success isn't going to be what I do in the wrestling business. Uh, as far as rig luxury goes, uh, my success is going to come from what I put out there. Uh, you know, the jungle boy, the thunder Rosa, the juicy finales, uh, the char, the starboard Charlie's that's, that's going to be the, Hey, well, where did you train, man? You're good. Oh, I trained with Rick luxury. My name is going to be more known in wrestling for the people that I help send on their journey than for just what I did uh, myself. Um, and I'm not trying to take credit for birthing any of them, but I do always tell them, Hey, I'm your wrestling dad. That's, that's what I am. And a lot of these, a lot of these kids make me feel like a proud parent when they go out there and do their stuff. In fact, uh, I just text messaged with jungle. Boy. I was just texting uh, jungle boy yesterday. telling him, Hey man, a really good match on dark dude. Really proud of you. Uh, hope everything is well. Um, I just flew out to Texas last month and went to Thunder Rosa's show and uh, ran class for her training school out there at the Dog Pound in San Antonio. Um, you know, I, I, I got one of my students, uh, Fabuloso Fabricio, right now is in on his way to Oklahoma. He was in Kansas last night, and I was ch chatting with him going, hey, man, how'd the show go? Where are you guys headed now? Uh, who, would you tell me what your match is. I just had uh, Alpha Zoe and Midas Creed uh, and Juicy Finale out in Florida during WrestleMania weekend. And I put a chat group together and was like, hey, guys, keep me posted on what, what you're doing out there. You know, what matches you have, how'd they go, who's your opponents, you know, what, what's the up. Um, I try to stay in contact with my kids no matter where they go. Because I just want to put it out there like, hey, if, if you get into a situation or you can't come up with a finish or you need advice, let me know, because that's what I'm there for. Coaching never stops. There's there's one thing about this is I have three shirts to say coach on the back of them and my students make them for me. And the fact is you can have a trainer and a tr what a trainer's job is, is to train you. For instance, if you go to the gym and you have a trainer, you show up to the gym and they show you how to lift and they tell you what to do. And then you go home and you're not a part of their life. You're just a part of their life for that 45 minutes or that hour, or that two hours that you walk in and they train you. Uh, the difference is a coach. You're always involved. My high school wrestling coach, I still have in contact on Facebook and I still send him messages and I still see how he's doing. And I, you know, I tell, I tell him I appreciate him all the time. And it's because coaches change your life and trainers come and go, but a coach is full time. So I, I'm these kids coach because I'm there for anything they need. Thunder Rosa wanted me to come out there and help with their class. And I said, sure, I'll, I'll be there. I got a plane ticket. I flew out there and I had uh, two of my students on the show. Uh, so I was able to watch that. Um, I also uh, 
while this is here and I don't really care because it's not going to really bring any flack on me, but um, there's a student that, you know, made a big impact in the last couple of months. Um, I believe they were saying on AEW Dark that she was Cody Rhodes' first student. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know who you're talking about. Her name's Brooke Havoc. Yeah. Funny thing about that girl is about a year ago, uh, she walked into Gold Rush Pro Wrestling and I was her trainer. And then I told her, look, you I only train you here on Wednesdays, but I train five days a week in out here in in at East Bay Pro. Why don't you start coming out and training with me there? And she did. And I was training her five days a week and I had her for nine months. And then she went into the Nightmare Factory and won every competition that they threw at her in the beginning for best bumper and uh, best rat running the ropes and all these things that she got thrown at. She's winning gift cards and competitions and this, that, and the next thing. And she finishes first in her class. And well, there goes the wrestling business because Cody Rhodes said, my first student. And on AEW Dark, they actually said, this is, she's only been in the business for three months. This is her first time ever being in the ring. And I'm like, oh, that's funny. She's been in the business for a year. She was with me for all, over 10 months. And her first match in the ring was at Sanitized. And I have the footage of it. So all you guys have done is lie. But that's the way the business goes and good for them because you know what? They're trying to push their product and it they're trying it, to push. It made for the story they were trying to tell, yeah. you know, and it's, it's a story they're trying to tell, but there's just another student that I had 10 months with and she went into the nightmare factory and became their number one student through the entire three months. So what I can help if, if you have the drive and the passion, what I can help you do in 10 months can get you in front of Cody Rhodes and have you blow through their competition and their, their training to be the number one in, in the class and get you an AEW dark as Cody's first student. And that was just 10 months with Rick Luxury to get you ready to, to get out there. No, I'm not taking anything away from Brooke at all. She's a hell of an athlete. That's that's a fact. Brooke is one hell of an athlete. She's a fast learner. Everything I threw at her, she picked up. Um, and to see her go out there and, and accomplish everything, it's great. But it's that thing is sometimes people don't get the credit that they that, that that's out there for them is because it works better for somebody else. It worked better for AEW to say she's only she only went to the Nightmare Factory. This is her first time in the ring because then people want to go to the nightmare factory. So right, I get it. Right. Good, good to them. Good, good on the gimmick. But at the same time, I get messaged by Brooke saying, Hey, thanks coach for everything you did. Hey coach, what do you think of this? And when she comes home on the, on the breaks from Georgia, she comes to training with us. So it's like, it, it's, it's good to see that they're still there. Like jungle boy just told me, Hey, I can't wait to come back to California and train with you. So it's just great to always see my students that have gone and done better things and achieved more in this business than I have ever achieved for them still to be like, Hey coach, uh, I'm going to be in town this week. Thunder Rosa comes down to California for a bunch of things and the swings by. So it's always great for them to, to come in and be like, Hey, what's up coach. Um, but yeah, the success rate of, of who I put out there is going to be the legacy of, of Rick luxury overall compared to what I did in the ring, which is going to be a flash in the pan because I don't, if I stop wrestling in five years, I don't plan on stop coach. As long as I'm breathing, I don't plan on stopping coaching. 
So I got a lot of product I could put out there for many, many, many of more years, hopefully knock on wood, but uh, we'll have to see only the future tells right now. I got about 38 students. So. Yeah. And not to take anything away from any of your students, but uh, is there anyone training right now that, that you think uh, us as fans should keep our eyes on? Who do you think kind of has what it takes to, to be the next, the next one to break out? Um, I was fortunate enough during this pandemic to get Midas Creed to come in and start training with me on a regular basis. Midas Creed's a guy to keep your eye on. Uh, Serza, uh, he's another guy to keep your eye on. Uh, that guy just keeps impressing me time and time again. Like he's just, he's great. Uh, Fabuloso Fabricio is another guy that just, he just picks everything up. He doesn't, he, you know, he's so fluent on what he does. He's so comfortable in the ring. He, uh, he's his own worst enemy at times, but we all are. Um, Marco mania, another guy that, uh, I've known since I was in high school actually. Um, but he's only been wrestling for about two years, but he just gets it. He gets the niche. He understands how to truly be a heel. He's the type of guy that would give Rick luxury a run for his money. As far as it is, uh, being a heel, um, another student of mine that, that I trained, um, I helped train uh, and back when I was at pro wrestling revolution is Papo Esco. Mm-hmm. That's a guy to really keep your eyes on. Papo Esco it is, he's no joke. That guy is, he's, he's amazing. He's a great big man. He understands what it is to be a big man. Um, so like Papo Esco and Fabuloso Fabricio, Serza, Midas Creed, Marco Mania, um, Aliyah Mia Sweets and Jordan Blue. Those are two girls not to sleep on. I think they're going to come in and take uh, women's wrestling by storm in the next year and a half. Uh, I just see the sky as the limit for them. And then I got a lot of kids that are young that haven't even debuted yet uh, on a show that, that have just been training hard. And I see a lot of potential in them. So um, I got a solid group. And, and I think a lot of them are going to be able to do great things as soon as they can just get out there on some live shows. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, that's a, the biggest thing. I mean, is, is just getting out there, you know, like you said, you can train, but putting it all together in front of, in, in a ring is a different thing. And then also, you know, putting it all together in a ring in front of a crowd. Uh, exactly. Cause it's, it's a different animal when you've got a crowd either coming along with you for the ride or turning on you and, and seeing how you react to that uh, can really tell a lot about an individual in the rest. I have, I, as I like to say it, I have a lot of kids that are red light ready. And what I mean by that is they're ready for the camera to be on and the crowd to be there. They're, they're red light ready. Yeah. I'm ready. uh, I'm ready to be there in the crowd. You know, we're, we're hopefully, we're hopefully turning the corner with the pandemic. Like we talked earlier, East Bay pro uh, is running again. I know action coast announced that they're going to have a show in June. We've got Agua running their outdoor shows hoping to see, you know, some of the, the, the major promotions in the area follow suit, uh, in the near and, future and maybe, as well. and maybe a couple new ones. I mean, I got some things in the works, so I'll keep my Def- ears open for that. Absolutely. Definitely, definitely ready to, uh, to, to venture into new avenues. Um, maybe in the more explicit, uh, older, ge- uh, generations. Um, but definitely, Uh, got some things in the work to have a lot of fun with here in the next couple of months as we open up more and more as, as fans, we're looking forward to it. Uh, Rick, that's all I got for, you know, kind of the heavier stuff here uh, and all the interviews with some uh, more fun questions for you. 
What uh, what's Rick Luxury's favorite fast food burger? Whataburger. Uh, I I absolutely love Whataburger. I only get to get it when I'm in Arizona or Texas, um, but I, I like their mushroom Swiss burger from Whataburger. It's amazing. If you've never been to Whataburger, uh, just plan a cross country trip and ju- I mean just to go eat Whataburger. I mean go visit some cool landmarks uh, on the way, but uh, definitely go to Whataburger. I got uh, my yeah. first taste of it uh, a couple weeks ago. I was in Arizona, uh, two three weeks now. Uh, it's it's good. It's good. I don't know if I put it up there as my top, but uh, I know a lot of people are very uh, fiercely devoted to it, especially out in the Texas area. So definitely, if I had to make it more California based, so people could be like, "Oh, that's something I can get," um, I would have to say my favorite fast food burger probably is the uh, the Whopper. I I can't complain. Whopper with no mayonnaise. That's I'm all about it. The, there's something about having something cooked over a flame that. Uh, uh, it just adds to it. I, I agree with you there. Uh, what's Rick Luxury's favorite musical artist or band? Uh, my favorite band of all time is Alice in Chains. Okay. Um, my favorite rap artist is Notorious B.I.G. Nice. Nice. That's uh, that's my generation as well, so I can appreciate it there. Uh, what's your favorite movie? My favorite movie of all time is The Shawshank Redemption. Okay. I don't think anyone will disagree with that. That's a great movie. Uh, favorite all-time wrestler. You you mentioned this earlier. Is it Bret Hart? Bret Bret Hitman Hart of all time favorite yeah. wrestler. Like I said, you could definitely uh, you know the pink the pink and black tights. The the it, I see the influence one hundred percent. What is your favorite all-time match that you've watched? My favorite all-time match, I would have to say, is probably. Uh, the 1992 Survivor Series. It was champion versus champion. It was Bret the Hitman Hart versus Shawn Michaels. The WWF heavyweight title on the line. Michaels Intercontinental Championship was not on the line. It was pretty much, they had had a couple of matches before with ladder matches and tag matches and that. But this was pretty much the prelude to both of them being singles breakout stars. And it was the introduction to what these guys were capable of way before we ever had an Iron Man at WrestleMania or a Montreal screw job or any of that. This is when both of them still got along. And it was really like the pecking order on who's the top dog. And, and yeah, I encourage anyone to go back and watch that match. It is phenomenal. Second runner up would probably be um, the cable K tournament. Uh, it was for the, the cable aces tournament. It was an Ironman tournament and it ended in the finals with Ricky, the dragon steamboat versus Rick rude in a 30 minute Ironman for WCW in 1993 phenomenal all right all right and what's what's the favorite uh your favorite match of your own uh my favorite match of all time would probably have to go down to me versus mr prime time it was at uh the golden wolves uh event for gold rush pro wrestling it was in american canyon at American Canyon High School, uh, we were doing a fundraiser out there, and Mr. Me and Mr. Primetime, which is my best friend in the wrestling business, someone I've I grew up with and trained with my entire career, still one of my best friends to this date. We got to go out there and decided, hey man, let's just go out there and work this whole entire show. Uh, let's just work the whole match. We went out there and just the chemistry between us was phenomenal. Uh, probably my favorite match of all time. 
but most memorable matches I've had would be against Adam Thornstone at SPW for the uh, the SPW Heavyweight title in that best of seven series. I've always had great matches with Adam Thornstone, so um, yeah, I've had a lot of matches with a lot of people, man, that I just really enjoy, but I, I'd have to say that that Golden World show for Gold Rush, probably my favorite match of all time. All right, and who's uh, who's your favorite opponent you've ever faced off with? Uh, that's a hard one, man. Uh, probably Adam Thornstow. Uh, yeah. I, I just, that, me and that guy, no matter if it's tag matches, six-man tags, singles matches, hardcore Ironman, cage, ladder, whatever the stipulation could be, I've always had great chemistry with Adam Thornstow. Uh, there's no egos there. He, we put each other over multiple times. Me, maybe a little more than Adam, but... Um, yeah, that guy's just, he's a phenomenal worker and I just love getting in the ring with him. Another guy would be MPT Chupacabra. Um, yeah, just, I, I don't really have too many complaints on opponents. Like there are a handful of guys that when I see my name against theirs, I'm like, really, what the fuck did I do wrong? But, uh, <laughs> for the most part, I have no problem. I have no problem working with anybody. All right. And uh, last question here. What's the best moment of your uh, long, illustrious career? If you had to right. narrow it down to one. Greatest moment of my wrestling career. We're at the Cow Palace. Yeah. And it's for APW. And we're in that big, that big uh, Roy Shires Battle Royal. And me and Boyce Legrand at the time, are, we're a tag team. And we're bad boys personified. And we're in this rumble. And I just had pinned X-Pac and... Boyce sends someone over the top rope. Well, I think it was Will, uh, Will Roberts. And I sent someone over the top rope and we back up and we hit each other back to back and we look around and the crowd is, we can, we can, we can tell they're waiting. They, they think me and Boyce are going to go at it. We start the circle. We lock up that lockup ends up being uh, us pulling each other down to the mat. We separate the lockup. We're on our bellies and we put our hands out and we start doing a, uh, 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 a test, uh, sorry, a, a uh, arm wrestling contest in the center of the ring in front of 3,000 people at the Cow Palace. And they start booing beyond belief because here we are pretty much mocking each and every one of them. We could have sat there and we could have waited for the, the next guy to come out side by side, like, oh, we're a tag team. But we bumped into each other, turned with fists drawn, circled around like, OK, one of us is going to do it, locked up hard, brought it to the ring and then went for the old fashioned arm wrestling contest and really just pissed the crowd off. And I don't think there's a, a, a historical building, a huge crowd, a monumental time. A guy that's my veteran in the business that's been wrestling longer than me. Somebody I would tag, I would tag with Boyce Legrand and lose every single night rather than tag with somebody else and win. Um, just it was it was a perfect chemistry, perfect moment, perfect atmosphere, perfect crowd. And to be able to have it where we're just arm wrestling to annoy the crowd. That's probably my greatest moment in pro wrestling. It had to have been pretty cool. Uh, cause you, you grew up in the Bay area, right? Definitely. So, I mean, just one, just getting to wrestle in that building as many, as special. many, as many super brawls oh, yeah. and, and nitros and house shows and pay-per-views that I went and seen in the cow palace, uh, 
to to be in the center of that ring in that building. I mean, I'm a huge San Jose Sharks fan, okay. and the Sharks started their career at the Cow Palace. The first two years that they played before the HP Pavilion uh, or the Shark Tank was even built, they played at the Cow Palace. So being able to go up there where their locker room was and change in the locker room that all these great wrestlers changed in, that the Sharks changed in. You know, I was I also like watch the Bulls were great when the Bulls played. Uh, mm-hmm you know, minor hockey there um, for all that, for all the sports and, and wrestling and everything that went on in that building. That was a part of my life to be able to be in that locker room and walk down that stairwell. The guys like Andre, the giant walked down, uh, you know, to be there in that, in that building at that time, at that place with the, with a hungry wrestling crowd, just to be able to walk out there and perform, whether it was a rumble or not. Uh, we were told, hey, guys, it's not about the minutes. It's about the moment. That's what they kept telling us all night that night. Guys, it's not about how many minutes you have. It's about the moments you can make. For me and boys to be able to go out there, lock up, go down to the mat and arm wrestle and get the whole entire crowd of 3,000 people to boo, that was the moment that we were looking for out of that entire draw that night. So it was it was great. That was It can't be duplicated. Um I've been in that building before to wrestle one or two times, but it was like in the side parking lot or something right. uh, or the carports, but to be in the center of that, that arena in that locker room with, with the guys that was in there and for it to be Boyce Legrand, uh, Yeah. There was nothing better than that. The fact that my buddy Marcus Mack was the guy putting the show on. It's like, that was just a successful night all around. It was a great night. It was a great night as a fan. I, I can't even imagine what it was like for you guys, uh, you know, being in the ring there. It's a, that's a very special building for sure. All right, man. Uh, that's all I got. Where can everyone follow you? What are the social medias? Uh, you can find me uh, wrestling personified Rick luxury on Facebook. Um, you can type in my name, R I K. Uh, it, it'll probably pop up with luxury at some point uh, as a surfix name. You can find me on Twitter. That's at R-I-K-L-U-X-U-R-Y. You can find me on Instagram. Once again, it's R-I-K-L-U-X-U-R-Y. Uh, throw me a message on Messenger. I'm always glad to talk to people about pro wrestling. Uh, come to any live shows here in California. You'll probably see me. Uh, May 8th, East Bay Pro. The address is 112 uh, West 2nd Street or, or 2nd Avenue, uh, Pacheco, California, um, we will be there live on May 8th. You can check it out on Facebook, East Bay Pro Wrestling or Pacheco Square Garden. Um, show's going to be great. Uh, yeah, don't don't be afraid to come up no matter how much of an asshole you think I am. Uh, come up, ask a question, fist bump me, tell me uh, if you like my work or not. Um, I'm always ready to engage. Uh, so, yeah, if you ever want to become a pro wrestler and that's your dream, I can make it happen. Just come visit me at Pacheco Square Gardens, home of East Bay Pro. All right, Rick. Thanks for the time. All right, brother. Take care. Have a good one. Late. I hope you guys enjoyed that as much as I did. Uh, Rick clearly has a lot to say about professional wrestling. Absolute wealth of experience to draw upon. Definitely a guy I'll have to bring back to the show to talk again. Uh, Just like I said before, that Ugwa show last month. If any listeners are going to be at East Bay Pro this weekend, please come say what's up. I would love to chat. That's all I got for this episode, guys. Until the next one. Peace. Peace.